Pass First point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me this week, Thursday at 6 p.m. to get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. This episode is also the latest edition of Mailbag Monday, answering listener-submitted questions all episode long. It is our weekly mailbag segment. If you want to get involved in the future, there are two ways to do it. You can tweet at me, at Mike G. Rich. Just send me a tweet whenever you're thinking of it. It helps if you tag it as Mailbag, or wait for Monday mornings around 9 a.m. Pacific time when I'll send out a tweet soliciting your questions. You respond to that one. I'll do my best to get you in the show. If you are not a Twitter user or someone who just doesn't tweet, you can email me. Locked on Blazers Pod is the address. Locked on Blazers Pod at gmail.com. That's how that's how email addresses work, y'all. Locked on Blazers Pod at gmail.com. Uh, t- those are two ways to get involved. Like I said, we do this each and every week. Uh, we got a very full mailbag, so we're going to be light on preamble. We're going to try to rip through these so we can get to pretty much everyone who wants to be involved this week. The first question comes from Christian at Christian Navar underscore on Twitter who asks, if you end up having to eat a shoe, is there a particular brand or type you have in mind? So I said if the Blazers swept this road trip, I would eat you know, would eat my shoe. Uh, they started 4-0, but they lost this evening, Monday night, to the Atlanta Hawks. Luckily, I don't have to eat a shoe. I was pretty nervous. I'll be honest, Christian and and all dear listeners. I was pretty nervous that uh, the Blazers were playing a lot better uh, when, I, when I saw that uh, Bogdanovich was maybe not going to play. I was even more nervous that the the Hawks minus bogey were going to be a lot worse because he's been just fantastic over the last six weeks. Uh, but luckily, I do not have to pick out a shoe. I don't have to clean up a shoe and, and get worried on Wednesday night because uh, the Blazers uh, felt the Atlanta Hawks in a game where they just didn't have it. I don't think this was a big deal. Uh, the big deal is that maybe... Damian Lillard hurt his foot at the end of the game, and we do not have details as I'm recording this on Monday evening exactly what that means, but that will be a big one. And for sure, when there are details, you know where to find it right here on this very podcast. Next question, questions, in fact, come from Tyler Buckland at Tyler Buckland on Twitter and Tim, who ask, with the four-game winning streak, is it time to unwrap the bow on the season, or do you still think it's over? And Tim asked the same question. Are you taking the bow off the season? A couple Sundays ago, or a week last Sunday, a week from yesterday, I uh, I said that it's a wrap. Put a bow on it, because the Blazers season is done. And I was saying that for a couple reasons. One, the Blazers, had, to that point, really hadn't beaten a good team in a long time. They hadn't beaten teams over 500 that really struggled against good teams. And Damian Lillard looked hurt. He just looked hurt. He just looked banged up. And um, my reasoning was like, you know, they might rip off a few games, but like they're going to play a bunch of good teams next week, which was like this Boston, uh, Brooklyn, Boston, Atlanta stretch that they went two and one in and really proved me wrong. But, uh, you know, they're going to run into these good teams and, they're, and their point guard's just not going to be healthy. And it's and it's it's a wrap and it's over. Um, so I was wrong. I, <laughs> I said it a bunch yesterday on the show. I'll say it again for your listening pleasure. I was wrong about that. I still have my same reservations about them in the playoffs. Like I won't pick them to win any playoff series um, because I just don't think they, I haven't seen them be consistently good enough to beat the teams in the West. And you know, the teams that they're going to play in the West playoffs almost assuredly are very good. Uh, it's, you know, it's going to be tough, but no, they're not, they're not totally sunk. Like I could see this team if they play at the level they played this week, stealing a playoff series, depending on who they play more on that in a moment. Vegan Mindset Coach at Mindset Vegan on Twitter asks, with a tornado evacuation before the Hawks game, give us your craziest before game Blazer moments. 
there's two that come to mind. One was game two of the 2014 second round series against the San Antonio Spurs. It was my first playoff series on the beat. Uh, I wasn't really on the beat, but I was traveling with the uh, traveling with the Oregonian and I was in San Antonio. And prior to that game, Thomas Robinson found a snake in his locker, a snake. And eventually one of the uh, Blazers health and performance folks, one of their training staff, grabbed the snake, which <laughs> Thomas Robinson and Will Barton described as like two or three feet long. But then maybe uh, some other people in the Blazers organization said it was like 18 inches. Um, so it was a snake. I mean, it's a snake in your locker in a basketball game. It's a scary thing to, to discover in your locker. Um, but they, you know, they literally host the rodeo there. So there's a bunch of, there's like literal hay that comes into the arena. And in Texas, when there's hay, there are liable to be snakes. Um, it was wild. The other one is, uh, this was in 2017. Is that right? Yeah. The winter of 2017 in January, I was in Minneapolis and the game got canceled because the snow or the, the snow, the ice under the floor, they had a hockey, they'd had Disney on ice the day before, and they were having a high school hockey tournament that weekend. And so they kept the ice under the court and it like condensation caused it to rise up because it was like 70 degrees in Minneapolis that random January day. It was like insanely nice. And so they had to, they had to reschedule the game, um, because of, they had to reschedule the game because of the ice. And so like I got out there and the, all, all the players are like touching the floor and acting like really, you know, not going through their warmups because it's really dangerous. And it's, um, it was, th- those are my two, those are my two, uh, before the Blazer game moments that really stick out to me. Next question comes from James and Beaverton who asks, imagine if the Blazers could control all the games they had left and place themselves on what they felt was the best position to succeed to the playoffs. What would that be? And Guido Pinamonte at Guido Pinamonte on, Pinamonte on Twitter asks, of the four teams in the West, as of today, four top teams in the West as of today, who would be the most favorable playoff matchup for the Blazers? Um, I think with some trepidation, I think it's the Phoenix Suns. Uh, I know it's not either of the LA teams and like the Blazers might finish ahead of the Lakers. So this might not come up unless they both end up in the play-in round. But like, I, I don't, I wouldn't want to play the Lakers in the playoffs, period, just because I'm, um, I've watched LeBron James for the last uh, 18 seasons, y'all. I know how it works. Um, I wouldn't want to play the, the Clippers, even though they're sort of like maybe prone to choking. I don't think they would do it against the Blazers. Just they're long. I mean, they choked like in a game seven of the second round of the playoffs or maybe in a game five and then a game six and then a game seven in the second round of the playoffs. Like they're good. They're they're good and they're long. And I don't think the Blazers have the personnel to really slow down Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and have a good offensive team on the floor at the same time. So I wouldn't want to play them. I wouldn't want to play the Jazz because I think I just think the Jazz are really good. Um, the Suns might also be really good, but I think, uh, they don't have that like big physical imposing wing, um, which, you know, Devin Booker's big and strong, but he's not like six, eight or whatever, like Kawhi Leonard. Uh, Chris Paul, you know, if, if he's playing 40 minutes a night, uh, and, and Ben Golliver noted this when he was a guest on the podcast, like 40 minutes a night in the playoffs, maybe he slows down a little bit in, in his 16th NBA season. Um, and you know, I think, I'm not too worried about DeAndre Ayton if if Nurk is healthy. Like I think it's I think it's the Suns. I think I think the Suns is who you want to play. Uh, you know, James and Beaverton is basically asking like, is it worth you know risking the play-in game to get the uh, get the seed you want? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, but I you know I think the Suns. If you could just like pick who you played, that's who it would be. Uh, Denver would be my second choice, but Denver is going to be really a really tough out. All the teams are going to be tough outs. They're all going to be tough. Guido also asks if uh, I would buy them lunch if 
the Blazers make the Western Conference Finals. Guido, yeah, come on. We'll, we'll go, we'll go, I don't know if you drink Guido, but I'll, I'll, we'll go grab lunch somewhere. And uh, if the Blazers make the Western Conference Finals, and it'll be on my tab. Next question comes from Jeff, who asks, this is Dr. J, rather. I, I, we got a lot of Jeffs, and this is a Dr. J. Do you think Neil uses the statement principle as a litmus test for the new hire at coach? Can you win with Dame, CJ, and Norm as your one through three? In essence, is Neil going to change the coach and find the one that's right for the current roster, or will he find the right coach and change the roster as need be to fit that coach's needs? Uh, I think it's. I think you find the right coach for this roster, just because like if 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 you find a coach that wants to play a totally different way, it's really hard to change all the parts. Um, it's going to be tough to trade CJ um, and get back like and still be a, a, like a reasonably competitive like you know championship believing type team. Uh, you know you've got other guys under contract. It'll be it's easier to sort of change around the margins if a coach has like um, some personal preferences that that they prefer for like style of play. But I think you say I think you try to just I mean Neil has built this team the way he thinks is most competitive, and I think you just roll with that and find a coach that can maximize the talent that is the job of coaching maximize the talent I feel like that's where the Blazers coaching staff has fallen short so you hire a coach not that needs a specific type and you build a roster but a guy who can who can adapt with the roster um, and 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 sees you know sees the vision or or can quickly share your vision next question comes from Dante Ward at DTA33 on Twitter who asks have you ever seen Trailblazers seasons be such a roller coaster as this one? I feel like the highs and lows of this season might be the end of me. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you, Dante. I almost had to eat a shoe this week. Um, yeah, they're all like this. <laughs> they're all like this. I mean, the bubble season wasn't really like this, but it sort of was because it's like they were really bad. Then the season got canceled. Then they, you know, everybody came back. They went off in the bubble and then they got smoked in the uh, in the playoffs. It was sort of like this, but. Like the seasons that really come to mind were the first season they got rid of LaMarcus. So uh, he left in 2015. So 15, 16 season, they were like seven, nine games under 500 in December. And then they took off, made the playoffs, made the second round of the playoffs uh, to end that season. Uh, Two years later, they were five and a half games under 500, blew the team up, decided to trade Mason Plumlee, their starting center for a future uh, first round draft pick. And then some like kind of overweight malcontent center from Bosnia who turned out to save the Blazers season and then franchise direction. Uh, they're all like this. They're all like this, Dante. They're, uh, they're not every, not every team has this, but the Blazers have uh, a real consistent track record of kind of like starting slow, hitting rock bottom towards, you know, the two thirds mark and then really charging towards the finish line. Um, and then the playoffs are like sobering in their own right. So th- they're all like this and, and to a certain extent. All right, let's come back in the second segment and answer more of your questions. But first, let's talk about Locker Room. It's the first social audio platform made for sports fans. It's free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and you know pretty much anyone else in real time about your favorite team or sport. I'll be hosting the Locked on Blazers show once a week. Yeah, that's right. You can finally join in on the conversation that you listen to here every day. I've done them a couple times. They're a lot of fun. Uh, people have joined in. You can ask if you don't want to like get you can like literally I can bring you on stage and you can we can talk back and forth through the audio app kind of like live radio call in or there's just a little chat function you can write your your questions in the chat kind of like a it's like a live mailbag I've I've really enjoyed doing them it's it's the perfect place to 
to start or join a conversation about the NBA. You'll find fans just like you who are having watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course reacting to the big news. And like I said, Locked On Blazers will be having locker room conversations this week, Thursday at 6 p.m. So be sure to join me. That's Thursday at 6 p.m. this week. Go download the free locker room app right now. It's currently on all iOS devices and it's in beta on Android devices. I know someone who used it last week in the beta mode uh, or the beta edition in Android. So you, anyone, basically any of y'all with a mobile device um, can, can get in on it. So be sure to download it, create a profile, link to your Twitter account if you have one, join the NBA group for the latest league updates and follow me on there at Mike G Rich. That way you'll know when my rooms go live Thursday, 6 p.m. this week. Can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts on the Blazers. I'll see you there. Locker room changing the way we talk sports. All right, let's keep it rolling on this mailbag Monday, shall we? This next question comes from Brooke who asks, if we're up to you, who would be the Blazers starting five and the first unit off the bench? So I would start the group they have. I think I think that's their five best players. I don't think you need to um I don't think you need to be tricky. I I'd I'd roll with Dame, CJ, Norm, Rocco, and Nurk. I think that's their five I think those are their five best players at each position. I think there's about five best players overall. Um I don't think you need to get too too cute with that. I mean you could argue that Norm isn't a small forward, but I I I would be hard looking at the rest of the roster. You'd be hard pressed to convince me that he's not the best small forward currently on the trailblazers off the bench. I would roll. I, honestly, I think Terry at long last has kind of gotten it right. Um, I would be a little bit different than him, but, but for the most part the same, I I play Cantor most nights and mellow most nights and Anthony Simons most nights. And I would play ninth guy. And the ninth guy almost certainly would be Nazir little, um, I think his athleticism and his length on the wing could help. Um, I know people think he's a really good defender. I don't really see that yet. I see defensive potential, but I I also see um, him getting beat a little bit sometimes just sort of, uh, he's young and it's hard. Young guys struggle on defense. They just, sometimes they don't know tendencies or they can over, over commit and all these things. Like I, I like Nas's future as a defender. I'm not sure his present as a defender is this like elite lockdown guy, as I've seen people allude to. Um, I think He's not quite there yet, um, but the, like the big difference in, for me is that I would have Ronnie Hollis Jefferson basically on call, and in a lot of games when Cantor is just not an option because the other team is just gonna the other team second unit is just gonna eat him alive. <laughs> Very similar to what we saw at Atlanta do, um, and Stotts basically played Cantor three minutes in the second half and was like, "Whoops, that didn't work," um, and he should have just played him zero minutes in the second half and maybe known that going in and not given him the first shift either. Either, but whatever. Um, and I would play Rondé a bunch of minutes at backup backup center, um, and and I would pull. I wouldn't. Stotts rolls with Mello longer than I would, so there would be nights when I would say, "Nope, it ain't Mello, it ain't Cantor, it's Rondé and Nas." But for the most part, I would play the. I would basically play the guys he's playing. Like I think he's figured it out. Uh, Mello has his weaknesses, so does Cantor. But on most nights, they're your best bets. They're a terrible duo together, but that's why you got to be creative with sort of sub patterns. And um, I would probably, I would maybe get Cantor in there earlier on most nights when when. Uh, I think Terry has tended to go early with Mello. So those are, those are just little things. But I, th- I feel like for the most part, after kind of struggling through it for the season, he's finally figured out who to play. Um, had a, he's figured out like 
who who to play the right amount of minutes. He doesn't always get the combos right for for my money. Brandon Goldner at at GoldnerPDX asks, it looks like Stotts has tightened up the lineup. Um, do you see the starting five plus Ennis Mello Ant will change on who they pull in the playoffs? I mean, yeah, it'll obviously be, I don't think much. It'll obviously change a little bit matchups wise, but I think that's, that's what it would, um, that's what it'll come down to. And Brandon asks, if so, wouldn't it make sense to give some other guys run before then? Uh, I don't buy that logic. I, I I think other people might, and I could see, I, I could see why you could make a compelling argument, but like the job of an NBA player is to stay ready. Um, you don't, uh, you don't like, if you don't think you can win playing Nazir little eight minutes each half, you don't need to, you don't owe him 16 minutes a game to figure it out in, in hopes that he's the right fit against the, the Phoenix suns, the, the idea. And like, I, I, to be clear, like I could, you could make an argument that Nas should play some nights. I don't think you could make an argument that he's like one of their best eight players and should definitely play. I would disagree with that. Um, but like, you know, if you think you need him against the Suns, you tell him be ready, stay ready because we're going to need you. Not like get him, get him sort of like rotational development minutes. Like I, I do, I do not buy that logic. Uh, and a related note, Edo at Edo six 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 on Twitter asks, should Ennis play less? Uh, there's more here, but including a a, a notion that. Ennis gives zero effort on defense. His his problem ain't effort on defense. His problems are physical. He's got short arms, he doesn't jump, and he's really, really slow laterally. Like, he doesn't jump because he can't jump. He's strong as hell with great hands. It just shows up on the offensive end. Um, yeah, like I said, I think there are nights when Cantor can't play, and you just have to, you have to go small, and because... Um, for me, for my money, Ronnie Hulse Jefferson is a better backup five than Harry Giles. Giles is really skilled, but I, I just don't, I can't figure out what he does really well other than like handle the ball <laughs> and kind of like shoot wide open threes in garbage time. Um, he's, yeah, I would like, there's, I think there are, I don't think I would play Cantor less like as a rule, but I would, I think the idea is to keep the door open and play him less when the situation calls for it. Rudy asks, what role has being the conservator of Mello's legacy. It's uh, it's custodian, Rudy. <laughs> the custodian of Mello's legacy played in the performance these past two years. It seems everyone, possibly including Dame, definitely including Dame, lets him do whatever he wants, which sets a bad precedent for the team. Things such as selfishness, lack of passing, one-on-one play, lack of effort defensively. Yeah, I mean, some of that is Stotts' system. Guys are allowed to make reads and break off, and like there's just a lot of freedom for guys to do what they want. So Mello wants to post. There's a read, and a, like, okay, if he posts, there's, you know, there's a read to go here and play off him here. Mello doesn't pass out of the post though so you're not really playing out of him you're just you're just giving the ball um last year i don't think it there i don't think there was much negative effect of Mello playing that roster sucked and Mello eating up minutes on the second unit um was really 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 valuable they needed him um the otherwise otherwise it was anthony tolliver and mario hazonia and then he was really good in the bubble like to get them in the playoffs so i think it made no impact uh last year it was all positive all or made impacts but no negative impacts last year and this year um it's just you know i think he just he has a real he's been good the last little bits and when he scores i i and i noted this uh, in a show last week like when he has big scoring nights the blazers typically win it's just he doesn't do a lot else so it's just nights when he doesn't have it like that's the that's the thing it's nights when he doesn't have it offensively he needs to play less um and and that doesn't happen so i think that's where it hurts him is that he's kind of 
he's immune to like when he has bad shooting nights his sort of legacy and their custodians of his of that legacy allow for him to sort of play through it in a way that other guys don't get um the benefit of the doubt see Derek Jones Jr. uh next question comes from Francis Mack at Francis underscore Mack Last season in the bubble, Dame started to guard opponents' best players and then became tired after like 10 games. Last night, Dame is guarding Tatum. Should I be worried that the same will happen again and Dame will be exhausted by the playoffs? I think we should be worried that Dame's going to be exhausted by the playoffs regardless if he guards the best player or whatever. The Blazers are going to have to play really hard on defense to get where they want to go. That includes Dame, even if he gets the quote-unquote easy matchup. Um, he's I, I think his... His sort of gas tank, like if he's on E by the time they get to the playoffs, which it looks like he'll have to be for them to get where they want to go, it just doesn't bode well for them. Um, The whole thing about this roster was supposed to be they were good enough and competitive enough to buy them, you know, four or five games at the end of this season where maybe they could uh, strategically rest Dame. And really, the only time that they've rested him is when he like really physically needed the time off for his body. So yeah. Uh, Francis Mack, I think that is a very reasonable concern that Dame is going to be gassed by the time the playoffs get here. Next question comes from Greg, who asks, is it my imagination or is Dame turning the ball over more this year than in seasons past? Yeah, uh, his turnover percentage is as high as it's been since 2015-16. I think even particularly lately, um, when and not like lately this week, but when he was two weeks ago, when he was like clearly playing through a lot of injuries, he just couldn't get out of around double teams and couldn't make plays cross court like exploding away from defenders to make you know long cross court passes turn the ball over a bunch when your body is tired the first thing that happens is you play sloppy i mean that's just that's how it works so yeah you are not that is you are that that thing that experience you're having is a real thing greg next question comes from jacob who asks can you think of an nba example where a team had a special skill that they've kept hidden until the big reveal during a game that counts um, you know, there's sort of like the move Ginobili off the bench or whatever, but the, like the one I can really remember, um, just like the one that came to mind when I read this question was in 2017, Ty Lue was like, oh, our defense is going to be good in the playoffs. Talking about the Cavs, like, oh, don't worry. We're holding back. We're not doing all the things we're going to do in the playoffs because our defense is going to be better because it has to be better. And then like it, it was, they made the NBA finals. It, um, it was, it was mostly like an intensity thing and they, you know, played Richard Jefferson a little bit more, but like they, uh, this was, they just, uh, they just, they, they kind of sandbagged it a little bit and then they kind of turned it up. I've also heard of Ty Lue. Um, this is like a, a story from, from the athletic is like, he basically, um, there's some plays he keeps in the bag for the playoffs, like some offensive sets he keeps in the bag when he, because he's coached really good teams. And it's like, we don't need to show, we don't need to put any of that on film. So that's not like a secret weapon, but certainly like things that you don't, you, you, you kind of, if you're talented enough, you stay vanilla until you absolutely have to. On that same note, Jesse asked, do you see Stotts coming up with anything special he's been saving for the playoffs or is it on the players just to be better? Yeah. I mean, it's on the players. <laughs> if, if Listen, Terry Stotts like coaching for his job right now. Um, even if that, right? Like if he had something special that he was going to like save and bust out and like make the Blazers better, he would have done that in February. Um, players got to play better. Uh, I, I think, um, you know, Stotts getting guys prepared and getting, and getting guys to buy into the plan, I think is really going to be his task, but there's no, there's no secret sauce coming on that one. All right, let's come back and close out the show in the third segment. But before we do that, let's talk about rockauto.com. It's the family business that's been serving 
auto part customers online for over 20 years and you can go to rockauto.com right now to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. And while you're there, you'll see they got everything you need from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps to motor oil to new carpet, you name it, they got it. And whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, you'll be able to get everything you need in a few easy clicks and all of that will be delivered directly to your door. So go to the rockauto.com catalog right now and you'll find that it's unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You'll be able to quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and then you can choose the brands, the specifications, and the prices that you prefer. And best of all, it's the prices because at rockauto.com, they're always reliably low and they're the same for professionals as they are for the do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? You don't have to do that. Instead, visit that website, rockauto.com, where you'll see all the parts available for your car or truck. And while you're there, make sure that you write locked on in their how did you hear about us box. That way, they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Today's show is also brought to you by betonline.ag. The fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. We got baseball season in full swing. We got basketball season wrapping up its final weeks. We got the NHL in that same playoff mode. Plus, if you head on over to Bet Online, you'll find the latest news, odds, and info for all your sports betting needs, which not only includes all those sports I just mentioned, but also UFC and MMA and Sport horse racing, y'all. You missed the Kentucky Derby this weekend, but the second and third legs of the Triple Crown are right around the corner. So make sure you get on over to Bet Online and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines, as this is your chance to get in the game. Head on over to betonline.ag, use the promo code LOCKED ON, and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. The promo code is LOCKED ON, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listen to Locked On Blazers. Still rolling through Mailbag Monday. Let's wrap up the show with more of your questions. This next one comes from your boy Ra at PDXRa on Twitter who asks, Are the Blazers less a victim of bad playing, coaching, and more a reflection of how helpless the NBA has made some franchises to feel that do, that do their best in an era of unprecedented super teams? I can sit here and say we I can't sit here and say we have a bad team. It's simply not true. To me, it almost seems as if we are being mentally beat down by the writing on the wall, yet as a franchise franchise we've done most everything we can to get a true organic shot at a championship uh to be honest i think your logic holds some truth to it but i think that like beaten down by the inevitability of super teams is more like a a fan construct than something that like strikes the players these dudes are wildly confident in themselves they couldn't be professional athletes with getting there i think very earnestly damian lord has believed that the Blazers could win the championship each of the last two years. He says that in a way that's like kind of corny, but like earnest, it's earnest and true. Like he really does believe it. It's, it's like, it's, it's in his bones. Um, so I, I don't think the Blazers are sort of like inflicted by the doom of the, of super teams. I just think they're, they're not as good. Um, and, and they also haven't played up to their potential this season. Next question comes from Dame McRoy at 
NYC Blazer Gang on Twitter who asks, the remaining schedule for Dallas makes me roll my eyes, but could Portland's difficult remaining schedule actually play in their favor since teams like the Nets, Lakers, Utah, and Phoenix would likely rest their starters for the playoffs? So yeah, I mean, uh, this question is a little bit old. It's from last week, but you know, the Nets did choose to rest Kevin Durant in the second night of a back-to-back. Um, the Lakers, they're bad <laughs> right now, um, but they're not bad. They're just not very good right now, so they're not going to have the luxury of being able to rest their starters, but they may have to hold uh, LeBron James out just because of injury so um, that'll just that just works out in their favor just kind of luck um, yeah I think Utah and Phoenix very well maybe resting their players at the end of the season Denver potentially depending on kind of where them and the Clippers shake out um, I, yeah I think um, I, I think that D- Dallas has a comically easy schedule so let's we don't need to like dig into that they just have a really easy schedule uh sometimes at this time of year, the like spoiler, there are some spoiler teams that just like kind of, um, you know, are a whatever be in your bonnet. but there's also teams in the, in the NBA this year that will actively lose the Pistons up six or down six in a game today, chose not to foul and let a team dribble out the clock as opposed to like playing the foul game and giving themselves a chance. That's a team tanking and losing on purpose, playing, playing the truly bad teams. Um, <laughs> you might, you might get some teams that like really want to lose. And I think that'll be, more in your favor but I do think there's something to it that like playing the top top teams at the very end of the season this year might uh work in the Blazers favor because they might um they might just not need to play the game straight up Next question comes from Rose Garden Degenerate at Rose Garden Degen on Twitter who says, Why has there been zero info on why DJJ isn't getting minutes? I'm not saying that he needs to get minutes, but it feels peculiar to sign a player, start him, and then give him DMPs at the end of the season. Rich Meyer at Rich47 on Twitter asks, What happened to Derek Jones Jr.? Will he ever start or play again? Uh, I don't think there's some sort of rich conspiracy going on here. The coach doesn't think Derek Jones Jr. is good, and he's the one who decides um, when who when when players play who plays and when is what i'm trying to say uh and this you know the first time terry was asked about it he said our defense you know why isn't derrick jones jr playing it's like well our defense was 29th when he played they're 29th when he didn't when he um when he did play and everyone was like oh he threw him under the bus oh shit i didn't even think that was that um offensive but it did it caught a lot of people's attention so the next time terry was asked about it he said i don't want to disparage derrick jones jr i'm playing the players that give us the best chance to win there's no conspiracy derrick jones just terry doesn't think derrick jones can play and now that he has norman powell um i'm derrick jones isn't better than him at that spot uh I, I should say this. I have, I've been, if you're a regular in this podcast, you know I'm not a big DJ guy. I just don't, I have not seen it with Derek Jones this year. I know that there's like some defensive potential. I know he's like the right shape or whatever to be a good defensive player. I know he got all the tough defensive assignments at the beginning of the year. He guarded all the high usage players, but he, to me, I just never saw this lockdown defender. That's never what I saw when I was watching him. A better defender, certainly, than some other options. Uh, like, he's a much better defensive player than Carmelo Anthony, but he's also, like, really not close on on offense. Like, um, you know, a mellow, a kind of, like, slightly above-average mellow night would be, like, a remarkable career night for Derek Jones Jr. It's kind of, um, it's a real trade-off, and, and the defensive side isn't as overwhelming that DJ, like, really deserves minutes. He's never going to start again unless people get hurt. Um, he... One of the, he hasn't been playing at in garbage time, and I think that's caught people's attention. And my read on that is because I think it would be disrespectful to put him in the game in garbage time. Um, and by that, I'm what I mean by that is that 
you're getting to the end of the game. You're calling Kelgen Blevins and, and CJ Ellaby and Harry Giles, guys who have never played and never been part of the team and are young and are t- kind of in developmental roles. And Derek Jones Jr. is like beyond a developmental role, right? Like he was signed to be a veteran to help this team win. And he's just out of the rotation. So in those final six minutes or whatever, instead of kind of being, it would be in some ways more disrespectful to roll Derek out with that crew than to just give Nas those final five minutes. Um, I think that's I think that's kind of like an unspoken uh, respect to a veteran type of thing that you wouldn't you just wouldn't put him out there like the same way the Blazers wouldn't put uh, Chris Kamen out there in those minutes in the past. It's just you wouldn't do that to a guy with with some uh, veteran qualities. But I know I I feel like maybe fans have read that as like it's like super duper super de duper disrespect but there's nothing going on there other than the coach doesn't think Derek Jones Jr. is good next question at Tamterius the Greek at Tam the Greek on Twitter asks will the number three be up in the rafters in 2030 in Moda Center no 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 um I you know I don't depends on how long CJ sticks around but um he's he, I would say he's like borderline and and borderline being in the conversation, not like borderline get his uh, jersey retired, but borderline like triggering that conversation to get his jersey retired. And 2030 is way too soon for it to happen. Uh, I would put that at like a 0% chance. Uh, if the Blazers win the championship, though, let's, let's revisit it because then CJ is going to rocket to the top of my likely to be retired list. Our uh, number likely to retire the list. Uh, next question comes from Marvin Iverson7 at Iverson7 Marvin on Twitter, who asks, What about Becky Hammond as a new coach? She is ready. Yeah, I'm, Becky Hammond does appear to be ready. It's hard for me to know exactly what, which assistant coaches would be good head coaches, but everyone says Becky Hammond kicks ass. Obviously, she's been, you know, she's in a, she's whatever, a high ranking assistant for uh, under Pop, you know, he, and she's, she's, been assistant coach in the NBA a long time and just like just the longevity alone anyone who's been in that role for long enough has sort of like the um whatever institutional knowledge to coach but the, being a head coach is there's a lot that goes into it that's kind of like there's just some like management CEO personality juggling stuff that it's hard to know like a coach um I'm not like anti Becky Hammond I'm just saying like I I I assume she's ready the same way you do because you've been reading it so, um, so yeah, like sure, but I I don't know I don't know I I feel like Becky Hammond's just gonna coach the Spurs and it'll it'll handle itself. Um, also, I hope that in a few years that there are multiple options for that people like promote as like a woman who could be head coach in the league because uh, there are there are probably literally hundreds of women in basketball right now who are capable of coaching an NBA team and Becky Hammond is just the like the big headline one. So let's get Becky Hammond a head coaching job. You, there always has to be a first and then let's make it be a normal thing that women get head coaching jobs in the NBA. That's my, that's what I'll root for in uh, 2021 and beyond. Next question comes from Dalton White at DJW21 who asks, if the Blazers win five out of five of six of their next eight games to continue to play with this renewed intensity, do you see them carrying that into the playoffs and getting through the first round? No, I, I don't believe in, I don't believe in momentum. Uh, I don't believe playing well Tuesday means you will play well Thursday. Uh, I think you can develop good habits. I think you can develop confidence. I think you can like consistently find um, a groove, find out what works, find like tap into a level you need to get back to. But I don't think um, I just don't. I just don't believe momentum carries over. Um, I think like 
confidence and understanding carries over, but I, I'm not a believer in momentum. And like I said early in the show, I'm going to pick against the Blazers in the first round because I've I watched a bunch of these other teams a whole bunch of times. Um, and I don't think the Blazers are as good as them right now. Next question comes from Zach at Zach11Clark on Twitter who asks, do you think it's funny that LeBron James thinks the playing game is stupid because his team is headed in that direction? He never said anything when they announced it before the season. Yeah, it's funny that like Dallas was in seventh and Mark Cuban came out against it and uh, LeBron James, you know, they they're they're looking like they could fall to seventh if if it if they don't get their act together and and if the Blazers stay hot and and he ra- he says it's stupid and people should get fired over it. It's just it's just um I don't know. It's it just comes off as sour grapes. Like I, it's just bad timing. Yeah, I think the question is, do I think it's funny? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's extremely funny. Next question for is from KC at Game with Maztrim. G- game with Maztrim. I'm probably getting that one wrong, KC. So if if I'm if I'm give me a pronunciation guide if I screwed it up. The question is, it seems like Dame is committed on the defensive end like never before. So. You think he could take another step up defensively, or do you think CJ might see that effort and commitment Dame is making and try to improve himself? Um, I think this was Dame's worst defensive season of his career by a l- not a long shot, but certainly like in context, one of his maybe the worst defensive season of his career um, ever, like just of his career period. Um, so I think he's played a lot better defense this week. I think he played inspired defense against uh, specifically, um, you know specifically Indiana and Memphis and then and then Boston and Jason Tatum on Sunday but yeah he's been horrific on defense all year he's just been good this week um so I I'm not willing to give him all that type of credit um I think he's um he's conserved himself to give this type of effort now so it's really nice to see him do it but it um I saw the first 60 games I know how it went down uh yeah I I think I I thought CJ was actually um you know, being a had started the year as a bit of a more competitive defender. Um, I think generally he's lagged a little bit behind Dame in that department, but I don't think he's been like notably worse than Dame there. Um, he's, I thought he also had a really good game kind of chasing effort wise on, uh, against the Celtics, particularly in the second half. I thought he, I thought he was, was committed and, and engaged. Um, I don't think, you know, I think Dame sets the tone. So whatever Dame sets the tone with people will follow, but I, I'm not, I'm not buying like CJ needs to follow Dame. I think CJ will just needs to CJ just needs to get better period on his own. Next question. The final question of the show comes from Colin who asks, what would your all-time Blazers starting five be taking one player from the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, and 2010s? Colin offers from the 70s, Bill Walton from the 80s, Clyde Drexler from the 90s, Rashid Wallace from the 2000s, Brandon Roy, and from the 2010's Damian Lillard. Uh, th- to me, this was easy. I was picking the players who I think the four best players in uh, franchise history are. So I was going to go with Walton, Dame, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Clyde Drexler regardless. Like, those were going to be my four picks. Um, I then, But I, I kind of think of, because they made the finals in the 90s, of Drexler of like being sort of a 90s-era blazer. But he did make three uh, All-Star games in the 80s, so I'm going to bump him to the 80s and cheat a little bit and choose Terry Porter as my fifth guy, as my 90s representative. So that would be 70s Walton, 80s Drexler, 90s Terry Porter, 2000s LaMarcus Aldridge, 2010s Dame. But if... 
if you know if Porter and Drexler are should be from the same era and picking them one from the 80s one from the 90s although Terry Porter's all-star games were in the 90s that would be my argument here uh I was a little I was like uh-oh because the 80s is not uh not a, a beacon of Blazers success then you it's like Kiki Vandeweghe or Steve Johnson or Michael Thompson um none of which I was excited about but uh, I'd probably go Kiki if I if if you have to say that I I can't split uh, that I can't split Porter and Drexler. But if if I'm allowed to split Porter and Drexler, I'm going with those five who I believe to be the best five Blazers of all time. Um, they just happen to fall in those categories. Walton, Aldridge, Drexler, Porter, Lillard would be my my decades team. All five. If you want to get involved in a future Mailbag Monday, just Tweet at me at Mike G. Rich or email the show LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. Also, while you're here, why don't you consider checking out the Locked On Today podcast, where host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in all the major sports with the help of the local experts from this very network. You can find it wherever you already get podcasts or on the Odyssey app. We got more great shows coming for you this week. I'm efforting a couple interviews. Uh, haven't haven't heard back from my emails out there, but I got some fun ones. Hopefully that will come in later this week, but I don't want to tease them out yet and get your hopes up in case they get pushed back to next week. So what a wonderful time to get involved with the podcast and tell your friends about it. Tell them they can get it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Locked on Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.